Hey, girl. Hey. How are you? How are you? I am tired as fuck. Me too. <laughs> I, I'm very sleepy I am today. So drained. Yeah. yeah. And I tried to, um, I just tried to have like at least some decaf, hoping it will give me a little caffeine without too much because I'm going to go to bed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, nope, nope, yeah. nothing. It is. It's been one of those days. Yeah, yeah, but I am ready for this. Because I think last time I was really tired too, and that kind of like invigorated me um, to do our recording. So, okay. We're going to hope for another one tonight. country it just keeps getting deeper and deeper i don't know what to think half the time but i belong for this ride i'm i'm it's too late to get off the ride now like i'm (laughs) like every day i'm like i find myself sitting in my chair and i look at the tv and i'm like I literally sigh when I get ready to watch uh-huh. an episode of <laughs> I'm just like, what's going to happen now? Because it's a completely different world every single time. You don't almost. know what to expect. And I'm yeah. with you where I do, I find myself kind of like, okay, here we go. And yeah. it's not, it's not that I'm, I'm not happy with watching it. I know I need to give it so much of my attention. I know that it takes me forever to watch it because I'm always stopping to either, t- you know, other than like taking notes, but also kind of researching things because mm-hmm. there's, they they pack on in so much of references and other information that just makes the series so much more interesting than just what you see in yeah. those like what, 45 minutes or 50 minutes. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a commitment. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah. I, I really am. I'm excited that they are showing uh, aspects of cultures that I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and this episode was great. Um, hi, everybody. We're talking about it. Uh, hi. We're real snobs. We're back. We are back. And um, we are about to talk about the latest episode of Lovecraft Country. And I am Kalina Michelle. And I am joined with my co-host, Cicely Joy. Good evening. And um, you know, honestly, I don't have much to talk about beforehand. I, I will say this was my favorite episode. It was a palate cleanser. Episode it really was. And yeah. I, I was thinking about that earlier and I was like, yeah, it really felt like one. But I will say... I don't want that to make it seem like the tragedies, uh, the historical tragedies that occurred in this particular episode are, you know, oh, at least they're not finally talking about Jim Crow. Like it's still, there was some serious shit that was going down, but I think the palate cleanser was that it kind of shifted our, um, from a reality or culture that we're a part of, you and I are a part of, and that we've grown up to, to one that we're not a part of. We, we've been observant of but we don't know um we're not as familiar with so in that way it was kind of refreshing yeah i should say yeah Um, i um i uh i just i just really enjoyed it it brought back even discussions about 
the Korean War that I had with my granddad too. Um, mm, wow. And thinking about his life. So yeah, let's get into it. Do you want me to run down or do you want to do the color commentary or vice versa? Um, I will run down and you can chime in okay. on how everything was, <laughs> how, how you felt because it was so much. Um, okay, so this episode is episode six. It's called Meet Me and Daegu. And uh, we already start off with, um, actually, the show starts off, you know, doing the recap. And if you don't remember the end of the last episode, um, it ends with Tick translating the pages and he starts panicking and he makes a phone call to Korea, which we've seen him do. And I think it was episode maybe two. Um, And in this episode, now, things that were said in those earlier episodes now makes sense after seeing this episode in the earlier ones I believe um uh when he called she said like did you did you go back did you go back I told you not to go back or something like that you Mm. don't know what that means and in the last episode he calls and he says how did you know after translating the pages Mm. and he asked uh, the person he's speaking on the phone to who we now know as Gia uh or Gia um what are you so that's such an interesting question to kind of end that episode on. Um, and as also the ring that he said um, had his initials in him, mm-hmm. the symbols in the ring translated to die, D-I-E. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why he called her. Still not really sure why that led to him calling her, but, you know, we'll see. Um, so the episode opens up um, in a Korean theater and this theater is going to play kind of a role throughout the episode. I find that really interesting in the different stages of what all occurs in the episode. Um, so it opens with um, uh, Gia watching a movie, a Judy Garland movie, American musical, Meet Me in St. Louis. So kind mm-hmm. of a Meet Me in Daegu, the name of the episode is a little play to that um, musical because she's a big fan of American musicals and especially a big fan of Judy Garland. Mm -hmm. So she is awestruck. There's a couple in the theater kind of trying to get it on, but because she's in there, they decide to leave. And now that they left, she has the theater to herself. So she breaks up into a little musical number. Mm -hmm. Very cute. Um, I like to always point out the title sequence that they have to kind of give you a clue of what to expect. And in this title sequence, I wasn't sure at the moment what I was looking at. I thought they were like stalks of vegetation, like maybe mm-hmm. bamboo stalks or something. Yeah. Um, with some kanji or some Korean. Um, I don't know if Korean um, symbols are called kanji. I know Japanese, mm. but yeah. let's call it kanji for lack of words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, not really sure, but we'll see. Yeah. So, she- this was I, this was interesting how it immediately starts out as a love story because Tick was saying to Letty like what she, what he and this girl in Korea had was she he wouldn't know if he would call it love yeah but we know that he had something with this girl um you know we're gonna see it later but um yeah I just remembered that because you know seeing her being obsessed with this you know Hollywood love story yeah she's romantic at mm-hmm. heart um. So um, the next scene is at Gia in a, at home, and it's 1949. 
um, and she's making kimchi with her mother. And just from the conversation with her mom, um, we learned that um, her father is dead. Mm -hmm. um, the family has lost kind of respect in the community and is struggling a little bit. And her mom, um, Gia is in school, in nursing school, and she is saying, you know, once I finish school, um, things will be better. Basically thinking like, you know, we'll I'll have more money, all that. But mm -hmm. her mom's more fixated on her bringing home a man. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking at that moment, it's kind yeah. of traditional, bring home a man for him to take care of her, uh, uh, us. And yeah. you don't have to work all that because, right. you know, it's the times. It's also um, Korea. So not really that surprised. <clears throat> yeah. So she's like... She She's like kind of feeling that melancholy situation, like, uh, we gotta do what I have to do as a woman and blah blah blah. Yeah, um, my duty. You <laughs> gotta do the duty. And um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a good setup. Yeah, it it's is what setup. it is. I um, love uh, I love the set design. Yes, it's beautiful. The it home was, so was beautiful. It almost um, looked like a storybook, like it was almost fantasy like we're watching a dream almost yeah you know and it made me really want some kimchi too <laughs> i know oh my god kimchi fried rice yes so um then we go to gia in nursing school and she's overhearing some of the other students gossiping about um one men. of the girls yeah men and mm -hmm. one of the more popular um students um, how she fell in love or uh, I guess more of a guy fell in love with her and that she may not have to finish school because, you know, she will be taken care of. And they they mention a meeting later saying this student, I, I can't remember her name. It's like Young Ja, I think mm. her name um, that um, she she'll probably not attend this meeting. Not really sure what the meeting is, but um <clears throat> We, we just kind of get this sense that we see how uh, Gia is is listening to the advice that young, I think her name is Young Ja, yeah. um, that Young Ja is saying like, this is what, this is what she did and this is what she said. Um, so Gia takes this advice. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. And she's in a speed dating, and which we now know is the meeting that they were talking about. It's a speed dating event that they host at the nursing school where essentially the, the women stay and the guys rotate and the guys seem like they're choosing because I, I didn't see any of the, the girls with the scorecard. Right. But she uses a lot of the lines that she overheard um, were success for young Ja, mm -hmm. and she doesn't really get a lot of success. Uh, pretty much just exes 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 and you know she's she's trying different things trying to be other people trying to be herself and yeah. nothing really seems to work she's just not making much of a connection yeah and then um at the end everybody's leaving with their partners and her friend comes back to her because noticing that she's you know alone mm -hmm. and her friend's like hey you, you know just come out with us yeah, like this dude's a dud. Yeah, like you know, it's it'll whatever. Be more exciting with you anyway. Yeah, it'll be more fun with you. And at first, she's very reluctant, um, but then you know she goes. And I'm, I at the time, I was like, oh, her mom's gonna be mad if she doesn't bring anybody home. Yeah, but I'm thinking like she's probably thinking in the scene like, oh, I can find someone there. Yeah. 
Um, and it's funny because at first I wasn't sure if her friend was flirting with her because she, I the way she, she kept was. looking at her and she was caressing her hand a yeah, lot. Yeah, touching her and stuff. I thought I was like, okay, so we're getting, you know, you know, this kind of love story, which would be interesting. Um, you know, but I don't know how Tick gets into all this, you know. But yeah. <laughs> I, was I like, said, what? this is going to be cool, I guess. And that's what I thought. But then when we they get to the bar in the next scene, um, yeah. her friend is nowhere to be found and she, and she's like eyeing a guy at the bar so I think because it, it was a weird kind of transition because we're thinking she's just going to go with them and hang out with them but I think it's like that that whole scene of her being in the bar is a whole nother time like yeah. just a, a completely other time and we we probably are to assume that you know maybe she just started feeling more comfortable going to the bar after hanging out. Who knows? Yeah. But as you said, she's at the bar. She locks eyes with this guy um, at the, at drinking at the bar and brings him home as her yeah. mother wants. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because, you know, starting the show with the conversation of bringing a man home, we're thinking like she means just like courting. And yeah. So I'm, a, yeah exactly and that's what i was thinking you know like you said the times yeah and so when she brought him literally to her bedroom i was like oh so is this we, what her like, mom pimp, you're like you're pimping out your mom that's I mean, your, like, your mom's pimping you out that's so what funny. i thought i'm like is this what's going on here in this house yeah like, this is interesting <laughs> um and you know she's real seductive like it's weird because in the earlier scene she's very like shy seeming and like awkward and can't really get things right but when it comes to seducing this guy like she looked it was like a whole other her it's yes in that yeah. bar like the way she was looking at him and all this stuff and i was like okay so she's owning she's owning her herself she's a beautiful girl she's played yes. by jamie chung and also um if we didn't mention who is a really i I love to see her progress as an actress because I remember her starting off in real world, um, MTV's real world, and to know that how far she's come. That's her? Then. Yes. No, that's her? Yes. And she's been in so many things since then, too. She's gorgeous. She really is. She is stunning on camera. Mm-hmm. Absolutely um, stunning. So, yeah, so she brings this dude home and she sleeps with him. And you're like, oh, okay. And now this is where things get good and weird. Yeah. <laughs> so as as she's sleeping with him, he basically, you know, finishes. But while he is still on top of her, um, you know, during the whole act, she's kind of just in this little blank stare, like just letting mm -hmm. him do have his way, thinking like you're kind of adding to the narrative that she's just sleeping with him for money or something. Right. But then um, as, you know, he's basking in his like his his uh climax we start seeing these what i thought at the time was tentacles yeah i was um, like are we getting tentacle porn yeah, in this like show furry tentacles coming from every orifice of her body when i say every orifice i mean nostrils ears eyes mouth yeah. and yeah. the lower ones so they all these furry tentacles start rising out of her and they uh grab him and you know are basically attacking him and what we find out later is feeding his soul off of um feeding off of him yeah. and as as she as these tentacles are feeding off of him she is getting these memories um of his life before 
imploding exploding i don't know basically he explodes he explodes and it He's leaves gone. a big bloody mess in this room and all over her and you're like what the fuck is yeah this? like i i was shocked i said what did i just watch it what was is so this? disgusting yeah and then her mom just walks in like Ugh, all right let's, another let's one get down and yeah, yeah she I says, was like she just says 10 more yeah i was like excuse me like what is this what is going on? Yeah, so, it, it's very strange. Yeah. So after this, <laughs> the next scene is back at this movie theater. And now it's 1950, summer summer in Korea, 1950. And uh, the movie theater is full and they're getting ready. They're, they're showing a couple propaganda um, kind of um, ads before the mm-hmm. movie is about to begin. And right as the movie is beginning, you're hearing all this rumbling and disruption and so everyone leaves the theater it almost feels like maybe an earthquake or something but they go outside the theater and they see basically a parade of american tanks and soldiers here passing out all these flyers saying that they're here to fight for your freedom Mm -hmm. because just a quick history of reminder if you don't remember never learn because this is american education uh, (laughs) that uh, during the korean war this was a war between the communists, North Korea, um, along with their allies of, uh, I believe, China and Russia, mm-hmm. invading South Korea. And the, the U.S., along with basically the U.N., the United Nations, were um, South Korea's allies. And so yeah. uh, the Americans were there. We're here to rescue you type shit. And yeah, and that they're throwing paper all over the street. Like, yeah, was, like littering for litter's sake. It was so weird. Now you're getting kind of the the that transition into this wartime environment that is going to be their reality. Yeah. And it quickly gets to, you know, the hospital where there's soldiers just. Yeah. Decimated. Yeah. And everyone's bloody. And there's a scene, there's a guy, um, American soldier who comes in and he's so shaken by what happened to him. He can't tell the difference between the North Korean soldiers and the South Korean nurses that are working on him. So he's like calling them all kinds of slurs, like, get off me, get off me. But he's literally like missing a leg. But when you you think about it, a lot of these these kids were drafted. They are they already have very uh, a lot of prejudice and racial. uh, Yeah. um, Discriminate. You know, they discriminate anyway. They're, They're not seeing a difference between of any Asian people, they just see him as, and I'm not going to say the terms that they yeah. use, but you know, that's what it is. So they're there doing a duty, but you can imagine that if when they're hurt or in pain, like that everyone's their enemy. Yeah. But earlier before really kind of diving into kind of the carnage of it, um, we see, we have a scene with Gia back at home talking to her mother, and it's interesting because you you keep getting little bits and pieces of things throughout the episode, and just more gets more revealed. Mm-hmm. So you find out that um, her mother she talks about having memories of her mother's husband, right? Uh, which implies that she must have slept with him, and you know he was one of her victims, right? And um, that she sees, uh, she ex- she explained that she sees their memories when she absorbs their soul. So uh, already I'm like, okay, so is this her stepfather? Cause she, she specifies your husband. She doesn't say my dad or anything like that. Right. But that's her daughter. So then I'm like, 
she's not she's talk for me I was like she's talking like she's not her daughter at all yeah and yet, exactly she does call her her mom as well, well yeah so I, it makes it, it makes it very strange yeah you're trying to understand like how what's the relationships between like these people and who mm-hmm. she's talking to and then her mother discuss or they they start discussing basically what she is we find out that her mother summit are made up what they call a mundane which is basically a korean shaman mm-hmm. um summon a kumiho spirit now i had to stop and look this up even though they kind of explain what a kumiho is mm-hmm. but uh kumiho is a spirit um kind of a, a you could call it a demon i guess but it's mm-hmm. a korean and in in japanese folklore and it's a nine-tailed fox Mm-hmm. And there's there are a lot of different variations of this particular entity, but um, one of the common ones is that uh, this fox can change its appearance and come um, and look like a beautiful woman and seduces men mm. that have done someone wrong. That have, so basically, that's what she is. She is she is not human. She is the embodiment of the spirit of of this kumiho and if she absorbs 100 souls, it will leave her body and she'll be human again. Mm. So basically we find her mom is saying like she needs two more souls. Um, she, she needs her to absorb two more souls for her to be back and that she wants her daughter back. Right. So, so here's the interesting part about this talk that she's having with her mom mm-hmm. or this nine tail spirit is having with her mom. The nine-tailed spirit technically doesn't really know what love is. Yes. And so she's telling her mom, she's like, so yeah, basically your husband slept with your daughter and um, he's, he, I saw into his soul. He loved her. And yeah. then his mom was like, the kind of love he had, it was not natural and it was wrong. And it hurt my daughter very much. And so the nine-tailed spirit is like, okay, so if that's not love, then what is because his feelings for her were very, very strong. Like it was very interesting because somebody who's not human is literally living in this human body, experiencing humanity through all of these, through souls these souls and, and through what the girl is doing on a daily basis. Like she's this, it's almost, and then I realized like this, this entity wants to feel love based on all the time she has gone to see this movie yes. or whatever and reading books and things. So like she's trying that, to understand humanity. She's trying, trying to understand to, like, humanity. Get it and yeah, feel. because all these tip, all these souls have different versions of what she feels is love. So she's trying to find out this entity's trying to find out what real love, real human love is. And so she got into a little argument with her mom, which I found very interesting. And her mom was just saying, look, you're not, you're a monster. You're a demon. You don't get it. Just take your souls, whatever you need to do so I can have my daughter back. Yeah. Yeah. And that really, like basically, really... you know, talking about the price that she paid, like it was too heavy and all this stuff. But right. we know that's the goal. The mom just wants her to, every time she said, bring home a man, it's just like, we're thinking, I, this whole she time I kept thinking like, her... how is how is her bringing home a man and sleeping and all that going to benefit y'all? And now we know that it's the mom just wants her daughter back. 
Right, but it's weird because if she she wanted her daughter back, but then she also wanted revenge on her her da- her husband for yeah. doing that to her daughter. Um, but I guess you know it's becoming really difficult on her mom because her mom's like. I want to relate to her, but I know it's a demon talking back to me or a monster talking back to me. Well, I think it's more her mom is getting frustrated because it felt she probably assumed that, hey, this is a demon. This is the demon's job. It should be easy. Let's get it done. But this, yeah. but this demon, the spirit is curious. It's it's like, I, I, I don't know if I'm a monster. I'm like, yeah. basically she's hearing what the mother is telling her as, mm-hmm. as to what she is and how she should feel. And that's almost, almost like she's a robot or like she's a program and yeah. whatever you're telling her, that's what she's, she's absorbing, but she's also adapting and learning on her own and starting to question. Yeah. A question like, well, why, you know, you have your, like, I don't have my own memories or, you know, well, when you have your daughter back, basically I may cease to exist type thing. Right. So it's, there's starting to be some type of resistance. Yeah, um, which is, you know, causing a problem in that house. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, keep going. So moving on, that's when we get more into the hospital where we're seeing all these soldiers and the wounded soldiers. And um, the mother was saying, you know, take advantage of this. Like you, there's a war going on. There's plenty of souls there. So let's Yeah, Americans this. are the worst. Yeah, so, you, yeah, there's two, you know, they're no better than the Japanese and all that. So um, she's like, let's just finish this. So at the hospital, um, GSC's the popular student, uh, Young Ja, um, talking to uh, orderly, whispering to each other, mm-hmm. and as they're walking back home, um, they're t- they're discussing because Gia just assumes like, "Hey, are y'all dating?" Or you know, mm-hmm. I, I've noticed this, and um, and I guess he is well known to be a communist, mm. and so when Gia points that out, uh, Young Jaws kind of like you know, basically like, "What's wrong with that? Like, why why he's just different?" and that's when we learned that Young Ja is a communist as well, or she, yeah. she you know, is not necessarily, um, she's different as they say. Right. Um, and so they kind of have this moment where they bond over being different and keeping secrets, even though uh, Gia never really reveals her actual secret to a young job, but she basically tells her like, I understand how it feels to be different and how it feels for, people to want you to change and this and you know and young job basically gave her these encouraging words that don't change for anyone like be yourself be proud of being yourself all that stuff Mm. which which just again adds that fuel to the fire for Gia to resist Mm -hmm. I guess what the mother wants her to do um, because she she does not feel she you know she feels like there's more to her than yeah that yeah, and in, in this scene that they're talking, they're out on the street, I guess, going home or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's all this mob that shows up, and they end up hanging what we assume is a communist sympathizer in that mm-hmm. right in the middle of the streets for everybody to see. And that's where they kind of bond. Like, you know what? Yeah, you know, it, fuck everybody wrong. else. Like, all this yeah. is wrong. And they notice um the um. American soldiers, I think Young Job um, mentions these American soldiers saying, saying like, you think the Americans care? Look, they just sit there and they allowed this to happen. Yeah. And so that kind of um, 
re- revitalizes Jia's mission and she she locks eyes with one of these soldiers and the next scene we see is her at a bloody room again mm-hmm. so we you know at her house implying that you know she brought him home slept with him and absorbed him yeah <laughs> so she yeah. essentially has one more one more um soul to go yeah and then oh and then um I don't know how they happen, but they're in the back of this truck and they're being driven somewhere. And you could tell it's like a, one of those army type trucks. And, and when I say they, meaning like her and her, all the nurse friends that or nurses in that ward that she works in mm-hmm. and they take them out to, it looks like um, an Some army little... camp or yeah. something like in mm-hmm. a field. And they tell them, you know, they kind of rush him out the truck, in the back of the truck, everybody get down your knees. And you could already tell it's about to be some kind of torturous squad of some sort. Like, I already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember briefly talking to my granddad about being in the Korean War. When the Korean War happened, he was actually a captain in the army. Mm. And he never wanted to talk about what went on over there. Mm. But um, they were, he was eventually stationed in Japan. And then, um, you know, brought my grandmother over to Japan and everything. But he was just always saying how like the Korean war was like atrocious for him. Like he was just saying how it was really, really rough. And that was what I was reminded of. Mm-hmm. in this scene um basically all of those nurses were interrogated by the american soldiers um saying that there's there's a communist spy among you we have um lots of reports reason to believe there's a communist spy so who is it and no one says anything and of course they just start killing them yeah. just shooting them in the head in front of each other and they're freaking out um they go and shoot uh, two people and then there's Tick. Tick is there. He's not actually firing the gun, but there's yeah. it's another black soldier who is actually firing the gun at and these his, women. His gun jams and so he calls Tick over yeah. um, private and yeah. to come over and kind of finish the job. Yeah. And it's just it's it's gruesome. It's so cold hearted and that's that's one thing I remember hearing and reading about with the Korean War and I, I'm not exclusive to the Korean War but just how especially so many civilians yeah. were um killed and you know raped and all, all like just, just And it's for what, what? they did for to, what? Yeah. yeah. And it was like it was just like we're Americans, we're the best, we you know everybody else is evil it was like a whole indoctrination uh you know beat into a lot of these soldiers well it's like it's honest every every um every group that was involved yeah or real did some horrific things i remember reading about the japanese and of course the north koreans i was just like oh my gosh and in every war it's it's like why why in the world it's, it's this like carnal mentality is like something and I, I honestly let me say this because I am not a soldier and right. I cannot even fathom how it is so I I understand this this privilege yeah <laughs> this, yeah I'm, I'm absolutely. speaking from a point of privilege same um, here and I, I can imagine if you have probably experienced someone on the other side also being just 
carnally evil to you, then yeah. that I can understand how that sense of you. that har- it hardens you. I can get it. I can. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I just know. Oh, oh, okay, let's. But I just I, thought like these are some beautiful like nurses and like these they're women. Like why are you just shooting? That was their like, duty. That's it was just, their duty, I like, guess. Like same with the order. Nazis. Like they, a lot of them just did it. They just did what they were told. And... It's like there's a loss of humanity when it comes to war. Like you don't see people for people anymore. You see them as just like, okay, this is a task. This is a, a mission. This is a duty. This is what we got to do. Yeah. So Tick oh. is about to shoot, um, old girl, and her friend. Yeah. Yeah. Gia, yeah. And the communist friend jumps in front of her and says, "Nope, it's me. I'm the one." Yeah, and they knock her out and drag her to another truck to take her off. I'm assumed to torture her and yeah. um, get information. And she is just left there like, "What? Like you just took my friend? And what the what's going on?" And so they say, "All right, everybody back in the truck." They take them back just to the just town, just like that, like just like home. that. <laughs> and I mean, unbelievable. Um, and so as you can tell. You know, Nine Tails ain't having all that, so she's yeah. like, "All right, I know who I'm getting next," and Tick is on her list. Well, so the next scene that was still kind of within the summer of 1950. The next mm-hmm. scene goes back to the theater again. This theme with this theater that shows the passage of time, and now it's fall mm-hmm. of 1950, and outside the theater, the theater's closed now. Mm-hmm. It, it's vandalized, and they spray painted. Uh, red owned and communist sympathizer to it so you know this show started off with this with you know life being grand and these musicals and all this stuff in the theater and everyone mm-hmm. just enjoying life to the that transition period from from that to wartime now the kind of result of the wartime yeah. and it almost reminded me a little bit of uh, t- um, Watchmen about the whole Tulsa riots and how that show started with, it started again in a theater where thing, things were grand and they kept mm-hmm. going back to that theater to show kind of the, the change after yeah. the riots would happen. And like, there's this theme. Um, so I, I always liked that, that it related to that. Because we, we keep going back to speaking about Watchmen for the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're back at the hospital. Gia, um, you know, in the midst of all the carnage, all these soldiers coming in and everything, everything's bloody. She spots Tick laying in a hospital bed, injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, she just kind of freezes up. You can see that she's starting to, there's rage building and she fixates on him yeah. regard, uh, regardless of whatever else is going on around her. Tick is in a lot of pain and he's trying to read a book with shattered glasses and he's basically weeping and feeling hopeless and um, helpless and pathetic. And um, this kind of, she just observes this about him. Mm-hmm. It turns it turns from this kind of rage to this curiosity a little bit, like, mm-hmm. hmm, you know. Um, so now we see Gia back at home, and she basically just tells her mother she is going to take her last soul. She knows exactly who it is, and as we can expect, it's going to be Tick yeah. because he's there. She has a mission. <laughs> She's yeah. going to get it done. So back at the hospital, Gia goes to turn Tick's bed, and he gets up to help her while he's kind of still struggling and hobbling in pain. Mm-hmm. And um, she, that 
I think that kind of surprises her because she's like, you know, I can do this. And he's like, no, let me, I need something to do. Yeah. And he asked her, um, he grabs a book that uh, Count of Monte Crisco, Chris, Crisco, that um, is his father's favorite book that he say, or his uncle? Uncle George. Yeah. And he um, asked her if she can read her, read it to him like the last couple chapters because his glasses are broken Mm -hmm. and instead of reading it to him she just tells him how it ends Mm -hmm. and um they start discussing it and we we know that she never actually read the book she saw the movie Mm -hmm. and so this kind of starts this bond that we see um between them where they start they're discussing um like popular movies and books and Mm -hmm. and um using the books or the movies as an escape and yeah. how they, they kind of both share that, that bond. Um, so we start seeing her kind of soften up a little bit to him. She's reading, she does eventually start reading the book to him. And again, they, they start discussing kind of, um, I think that's when he tells her about it being her uncle, his uncle's favorite book. And they start talking about their family and their parent parents issues. And mm-hmm. again, finding finding things to relate um to with each other yeah then she quotes her best friend in this one scene and she's and tick says hmm i would like to meet her (laughs) not knowing that he basically helped her die yeah so i'm waiting to see like okay is this kind of gonna you know get gia to get back to her mission (laughs) or what because she you start seeing her kind of lose herself into yeah. this because it's not it's more of a wow there's there's a lot more to him than what I thought yeah and again thinking about the spirit thinking about how she is observing life not just from the memories of the souls that she's uh, absorbed but now from these experiences mm-hmm. it's it's showing how things aren't so black and white yeah I like um, it yeah yeah so, good so they're bonding and bonding and bonding and the next scene is uh at the military camp gia is uh shows up that she was supposed to be meeting tick for a date yeah and a korean american soldier escorts her saying that plans change and leads her to a tent and he she's a little apprehensive not really sure what's going on but uh when she gets to the tent tick surprises her by having her own their own private movie showing he made like a a really romantic date and he's all dressed up in his in his um uniform and all nervous and they kiss for the first time mm-hmm. and then she brings him home yeah <laughs> uh, to the room and you're like okay what's what's gonna happen here yeah um uh, she starts to basically be the aggressor sexually aggressive a little bit and mm-hmm. he slows her down and admits to her that he's a virgin mm-hmm. um so they they kind of talk and um they begin to be intimate and she's saying you know she basically tells him like let me do it like i don't want to hurt you yeah um and but she also seems to be fighting a little bit of her urge to feed yeah <laughs> while they're being intimate and as she is um What did I write here? Well, basically, she tells him to get out. Oh, yeah. Like, as she is starting to, like, 
she's getting into it, but she could tell that she can't really control yeah. the nine tails. So she's like, get out, run, run. He's like, uh, okay. And he just, he jumps up and she screams at him to leave. And yeah, she runs out. And yeah. the mother, the mother opens the door and she's furious. Like, I thought, you know, like we were almost done. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> um, because she's starting to feel she's, she's feeling serious feelings for him. And, yeah. um, you know, this, this is different for her. Yeah. So the next scene, back at the military camp, um, Gia is there and Tick immediately tells her to go because, you know, he's all butthurt and shit. Yeah. And when um, she, and she admits to him just off the bat that she um, that he is the one that killed her best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this moment. He's heartbroken. She's heartbroken, but she's admitting that you know she was going to kill him because of that and yeah. but she began to understand how war basically tore him apart that it's not he's not the monster that she thought he was right. and basically she's starting to lay her cards out on the on the table mm-hmm. and they they have this moment and tick takes her back to the movie tent and they actually make love yeah know? Like beautiful, beautiful love. Not, yeah. I'm going. I need my tentacles to stay at bay. Love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was really nice. It was a nice scene. Um, yeah. And after that, it's like a little montage of them together. It's like mm-hmm. a short one, and uh, like they're they're growing together as a little couple. Um, she's oh, trying yeah. to like give him some insight into her culture. So there's a scene where uh, she's reading the story about the Nine Tails about the the kimuk is that kimuku is that how you it's, say it uh kimu oh i forgot how to say it the nine tail spirit okay she's like yeah you know it embodies the it gets in the body of a woman or embodies the beautiful woman and seduces men and he's just like well, oh okay oh, wait well before all that because um before all that happened, she's back at home and she's t- she's confronting her mom about everything. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, basically tells her mom, like, I love him. I'm yeah. not, I, I can control my tails. Like, I'm not, I don't need to feed off of him. And her mom is now really mad because she's like, uh, she said something about, so you made my daughter a monster and a whore. Mm-hmm. Even though the mom pretty much did that <laughs> herself. And that uh, the mom tells her that he only loves loves her because he doesn't know the truth yeah and then it moves on to um the winter in 1950 where you said like the montage of them and playing in the snow and gia reads him the folklore because like like the mom said you know yeah she doesn't he doesn't know the truth yeah he doesn't know she wants to she wants to open up to be able to tell him but knowing that you know it's going to take time but as she's telling him the story um tick is a little distracted and he kind of interrupts and just tells her that he's earned enough um time to that he can actually go home now yeah um but he can also choose to stay if she wants Mm -hmm. or you know she can come with him yeah um so during the scene they they basically make love again Mm-hmm. Um, but this time she begins to lose control of the tails. Like you know, she she full out loses control. Yeah. She doesn't begin. She full out loses control. Those tails come out. They um, they adhere to his eyes, and mm-hmm. she's starting to see his memories. Yeah, and you're seeing memories of his um, childhood and kind of the abuse that he kind of discussed with her before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
she tosses him off of off of her intact um but as she's still laying there and her tails are her retreating she is now seeing visions Mm -hmm. of things to come not just memories but seeing other visions of things to come and she sees there's there's a glance of him in the bed with some other woman Mm -hmm. um letty um Uh, him looking I, I don't know exactly in what position he's in but he looks like he is dying yeah um, and so of course Tick is like stunned at whatever just happened not understanding what just happened what he just experienced and so he's just like you know what the hell was that and she just gets up to tell him don't go home that you're yeah. gonna die if you go home yeah and he's freaking out and of course he runs out yeah and so, she's just like, what am I, how am I going to tell him? Like, yeah. and she's how just am I left heart, him? heartbroken because yeah. not only that's not how she wanted to t- him to find out about her, but also the fact that he's going to die. And yeah. um, so she has this moment, she's just heartbroken. Her mother comes and comforts her, which is kind of a nice scene because after all this tension that has been ha- having with her and her mom, you see that at the end, her mom is still going to yeah take her on as a daughter yes you know she's probably also seeing a little bit more of her daughter kind of the that humanity so coming through i want to go into this last scene Mm -hmm. because this scene for me was kind of like it was very interesting Mm -hmm. this show juxtaposes uh audio and on like real from real life people yes um into some of their scenes to kind of either set up a scene or like to give context to a scene or something like that. Um, earlier we heard in an earlier episode, the, um, the spoken word of Whitey's on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, then in this scene, interestingly enough, we act, I didn't know who the voice was at first. And I was listening to what it was a woman clearly. Yeah, it was an was older it Maya? woman. Was no, it Maya? there no. was another scene where I think I heard Maya speaking. You I know who? And was... I, I did not look this up, but I think I know who it is. Who? Judy Garland. Really? It was an older Judy Garland because I, I don't know if you remember. You know, she had, she had a, basically a mental breakdown. In her early, yeah, early oh, yeah. years, yeah, and so it sounded like Judy Garland talking about dealing with mental illness oh. I'm gonna have to look it that sounded up. like her because I was listening to her voice and it sounded like I was like that girl sounds like Dorothy but like an old Dorothy <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> that would make sense it and I said is. did they get Judy Garland it's sa- I don't know this to be sure because I did not look it up but for me in my mind it was a great 360 type situation like mm-hmm. I was like, if they went ahead and found some audio of Judy Garland talking about stuff and mental illness and all this, I am absolutely, I love it. I love it. It was great. And the scene is, is um, the girl and her mom going up on this snow capped mountain Mm -hmm. to this, to that shaman, to that um, shaman. And I'm assuming it's the same shaman who summoned the nine tails because she's looking off in the distance and she sees a, like a red fox like a bushy red fox in the distance mm-hmm. looking back at her yeah and the mom goes to the shaman and says um i don't care what the price is 
um, I want this, you know, I want this thing out of my daughter, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a very interesting scene. Um, and the shaman was saying, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost a heavy price. Well, she didn't say, because I was confused during the scene, because I thought they were going to try to get the spirit out, but they, that's not what they were there for. She so just wait, said, what was she there for then? I, I yeah, it out. she just said, um, the the shaman said so the one that uh you stopped at 99 souls and you're you're back here and you know the price and she was like whatever the price um i will i will i will take it for my daughter one that was a big thing because she's she is referring to her daughter as her daughter and Mm -hmm. i felt like that wasn't just a oh because yeah she is playing my daughter no i feel like the fact that they're there that she's Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna take this burden for for her yeah showing that i no matter what i'm here with with this girl <laughs> um i love her yeah even if she's not human and they were there because uh gia basically wanted to find out if what her what she That's saw right. what, was what going to happen yeah and so yeah. it was basically like hey we we need another service from you and whatever there may be a price to pay for getting the answers and mm. So they weren't there to remove the spirit. It I was thought just... she was because I was like, so there's a fox there, or like, yeah, because I think there. it ended with basically how it ended made it seem like this is in my and this is my impression. This is just my opinion that Gia needs to remain how she is because now she is like, I gotta, I gotta protect, um, protect Tick, mm. which I feel, and I didn't see any scenes for the up- upcoming episodes, but I feel is gonna play a role down the line like she wants to know is this kind of come true because i need to help him i need mm-hmm. to protect him somehow yeah um and then and it the, just ends so it ends but there the the shaman says that she she isn't one with the darkness yet and she will see countless deaths before her journey is through and that's why i think she's gonna end up maybe going to Chicago or something mm. or somehow helping tick. And maybe she, she plays a role um, as that spirit and helping kill whoever is about to like harm him just from Good. that line. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. This is just a lot. This I show. know. And I just want to also mention, so as you were talking, I did look it up that, that audio recording was Judy Garland. It was, it says, it, this is adapted from audio collection known colloquially as Judy Speaks, recorded from 1963 to 67. Mm. It was supposed to help um, an older Garland write uh, autobiography, wow. but instead it became a document of the artist in decline. Yeah. She spends her recording time lashing out at people in Hollywood who wronged her. Yep. Wow. So, good. That's, that was a good ear, because I, I did not... I was listening because the way she was talking too, and she sounded a little crazed yeah, while she was talking. She sounds slurred and incoherent. Yeah, a little time. slurred, a little coherent. But I was like, that sounds. It sounds like it's if Dorothy were to grow up and get old and bitter. And I said, oh crap, that's Judy Garland. And I was like, how fitting is it to have this woman? who at the time was America's sweetheart, you know, she could do no wrong on the silver screen 
and just the abuse that she went through and all the sexism and the drugs and the alcohol and just the craziness she went through in her young age, she became, you know, she went through it and there was no nine tailed spirit to, to, you know, help her seek justice in a way. And so, you know, it's almost like a woman scorned kind of situation. And I felt my heart felt really heavy listening Mm. to that audio. And I said, Oh my God, I think this is Judy Garland talking and watching, you know, the girl and her mom climb that hill and watch and look at that Fox in the distance. Like it was just, I don't know. It was just very, um, very, very profound for me. But I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I loved this episode. Um, next episode is Hippolyta's turn. Okay. See, I, I purposely didn't look at you didn't watch for the it? next. Because I was just like, you know what? I just want to go into it. Surprise. Yeah, just surprise. It's supposed to be Hippolyta-centric this next episode. So I'm really excited. We'll see. Wow. Because so... Ingenue Ellis is a force <laughs> to be reckoned with. We've been waiting for that her her moment. Yeah, that's been building too. Yeah, I like how the story is giving all these characters their own story, and yeah. hopefully they'll let everything will come to a nice wrapped up package at the end. But I um, think so. I, I like mean, it. I need to see how many episodes there are because I'm like I don't want it to end. It's so I'm, I'm like, is it just two more? Like, please let it just be a couple more, three more, something. Yeah, I'm going to see Ooh. how many they have um, slated. Yeah, it's time. heavy. It's heavy. Um, so there it is. I liked it a lot. It was a good episode. Lots of symbolism. Uh, good story. Um, you want to know something funny? Why? So there are going to be 10 episodes and the last episode's called Full Circle. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, everything's boy. coming back. Okay. Oh, yeah. Lovecraft. <laughs> Lovecraft. Have you been watching anything else? I know you've been busy. Um, I I did start a show. Um, I only watched the first episode. Maybe no, uh, did I watch the second? But it's promising. It's on Netflix. I think it was just released mm-hmm. called um, Ratchet. And it's by Ryan Murphy, who does, of course, American Horror Story. And yeah, I've been Lee watching it too. And all that. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. So I only, I think I only finished maybe the first episode and went into the second. But I, you know, I dig it. It feels very Ryan Murphy-ish. Um, of course, he loves, loves, loves Homegirl that he stars and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not the biggest fan of her. I think I'm just over her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that it's... I, yeah, I, I like it for what it is so far. I think it's it's a thriller. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it mystery. is. It's, it fills that void that I, I always need because I love thrillers. It's one of my favorite genres. So, um, yeah, I, I really can't say much to it, but it's promising. I At this time, just based off of what I saw, I'll give it a medium, lightly buttered popcorn, maybe, okay. as a rating. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I, I'm going to give it just a medium dry right now okay. and I'm almost done with it. 
Um, oh, wow. Okay. But I will say, it's like you said, it's very Ryan Murphy, like highly stylized yeah. production design, costumes, hair. Um, he uses the same people. <laughs> same, a lot of the same people uh, yeah. that you've seen in American Horror Story. Um, and it's giving you that, that thrill. It's like all this crazy, weird, twisted imagery against all this beautiful backdrop. So it's very Ryan Murphy, but um, eh, it's I feel like it's, you know, an extended American Horror Story fever. Yeah. I don't feel like we needed it, but it's good. It's a good filler, like you said. Honestly, when I first heard about it, I thought it was the next installment of American Horror Story. Yeah, I did too, but so, it's not. It's it a, it's a well different be. type of story, though, but it's a different, it's a slightly different story. Like, they're they're delving a little deeper into yeah. one character as opposed to a, a whole bunch, I feel like. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I like it. It's cool. Medium, dry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what about you? What um, you watching? I've been watching a number of things. One of the things I want to talk about in an actual snobby short, but um, I, I don't know why, but... I've been needing some lighthearted stuff to watch. Mm-hmm. And I recently watched old episodes of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> they just do something for me. They just make me feel at home, relaxed, you know, laughing at the sideways jokes and the the witty little quips and the burger of the day pun on mm-hmm. the wall. Like it it's just it's an it's an old friend that is always going to be there. It seems you know, kind of like this how the Simpsons were to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I feel like that with Bob's Burgers right now, and okay. in the, in these trying times, that's what <laughs> you need. It's great. It's really good t- TV. Um, I know that the same uh, creator of Bob's Burgers has another show out right now, another cartoon. I can't remember the name of it. But it looks very, very similar in animation style to mm-hmm. Bob's Burgers. Um, but anyway, yeah, Bob's Burgers. You know, I'm always going to give that a large popcorn. Always. <laughs> I'm, it's a warm hug on a cool autumn night. Oh, that's so relevant. Such as tonight. Because it is cool. I had to, did you have to turn on your heat? Cause yes, I, just, I did today. Man, this morning, me too. I woke up in the house like 63 degrees. I said, oh, no. Yeah, I've been so resistant, but I'm like, no, okay, I'm not going to freeze this all out of my pride. So. Yeah, I know. It was, it was so cold. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, guys, thank you for listening again. And uh, we are Real Snobs, and you can find us across the ether sphere <laughs> on Al Gore's internet, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you listen, we're there. Um, find us on our home site on anchor.fm forward slash. What is it? Backslash forward slash real snobs. One of them slashes forward slash. I slash guess. real snobs. <laughs> <laughs> you can also reach out to us anytime on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Um, Instagram everywhere. Instagram. Yeah, we're out there. So thank you for listening and good night. Good night.